I'm Paul Levinson, and welcome to Light On, Light Through, episode 339. Captain Phil interviews me again about current events. This interview occurred a few days ago. We talk mainly about Trump and the fascist threat to democracy here in the United States, but we touch upon lots of other important topics. And there's a sweet dessert at the very, very end of this interview, so make sure you listen for that. Here, without further ado, is our interview. Oh, you fascist bound to lose Karl Marx Socialism uh, Rodeo, <laughs> starring Captain Phil and his guest star, uh, Paul Levinson. How you doing there, Paul? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. And, uh, those fascists have given us a lot to talk about. <laughs> I, we need more than two hours, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, more like 20 hours, probably 200 hours. <laughs> but uh, Paul, before we really get into uh, the nitty gritty here, uh, give us a, uh, again, give us a, a bio, uh, musician, author, educator, um, man about town, Paul Levinson. Uh, tell us uh, what is happening. I know you're working on that, that uh, alternate history Beatles song uh, story. So what's, what's going on, man? Well, that's one of the things I'm working on. I've now pretty much finished expanding that alternate history Beatles, WFUV, Pete Fornatel, the late great Pete Fornatel from WFUV. I've expanded that short story, which you can read for free, by the way, if you're a cheapskate. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a vocal, V-O-C-A-L. So just search for it. And uh, But I've expanded it into a short novel. And two other things are happening with it. One, there is a guy who is, uh, he's taking his time, but he is reading it with an eye towards whether or not it could be made into a film or a limited TV series. I'm pushing for the limited TV series because that gives me the option of even saying more. And then the other thing, another radio show, but I'm not going to mention the name of that because it's not done yet, but it, that show is well on its way to making a radio play out of that short story. And because what's going on on that radio show is they're doing a Twilight Zone uh. radio play series. And so I think that'll work very well. The other thing I'm doing is my second novel. Uh, my, that's the second novel that was ever published, Borrowed Tides. Uh, it's generally acknowledged to be my worst novel and of course I, as i'm sure i've said before to you i, I don't have a worst novel so i was i, I was going to say the words paul levinson and the word worst ought never appear in the same sentence exactly <laughs> so undeterred by those biopic critics i'm now <laughs> beginning to write a sequel to that and uh, so so far i have a first chapter there and, and it's, it's fun revisiting something that you really haven't thought about for 20 years so, you know, in terms of my creative life, I'm enjoying it immensely. And I guess as a segue into what we're going to be talking about, it's a welcome uh, escape from what's going on in our world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just just give out, I think what it, is, it was either your Twitter um, or the, the best way to, to, to find you online or your blog. Um, 
Yeah, well, I'll give you a few. So I'm at Paul Lev, P-A-U-L-L-E-V. If you want to read my blog, just search on Infinite Regress. Mm -hmm. And if you search on my name on Amazon, you'll find all my books, including Borrowed Tides. I don't think I mentioned the name of that when I was just talking, my second <laughs> novel. And see if you agree that it's my worst novel. <laughs> you don't have to read all my other novels to be able to make that conclusion. So, so help yourself. Take a novel approach and let us know your opinion. Yeah, that's a novel approach to promotion, for <laughs> yes. sure. Fantastic! I love it. I love it. And and uh, and we we I I do want to mention your album. So uh, welcome up. Um, is is uh, is is there? I I don't remember if we talked about this last time. Uh, is there going to be a third album, Paul? Yes, there will be. Actually, I have a bunch of songs already written. I'm not sure when I'm going to record it, but yes, there'll definitely be a third album. And again, for those of you who may be listening to Phil interviewing me here for the first time, Phil's heard this already 20 times. My first album, Twice Upon a Rhyme, came out in 1972. My second album, Welcome Up, Songs of Space and Time, came out in 2020. So I waited a really long time to, uh, to do the uh, second uh, album. And uh, <laughs> there's no way I'll be able to wait that long to do the third album. So it'll be coming out in the next couple of years for sure. I mean, you could get into a spaceship and travel close to the speed of light, you know. <laughs> That would work Come for back. sure. You could do that, <laughs> um, but like fine wine, you 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 let you let the songs age, and and now and now they're upon us as as well. That's um, right. So listen to the albums; they taste great. They're delicious. They're delicious. Well, take a sip. This is uh, normally uh, a show where uh, things tend to lean on the right side of the street. Um, I want to admit to the universe uh, at large that uh, Paul and I are kind of uh, on the left side of the street, so that's that side of things are going to color um, our discussions. But Paul also has some very decent academic credits as well. He's a professor of media studies at Fordham University. He has appeared um, on many uh, news outlets, um, some of them, most of them not as... Um, wonderful as WUSB, but they include uh, Fox News, CNN. Uh, did you ever make it on MSNBC, Paul? I don't, I don't remember if you did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not very recently, but uh, I've been on MSNBC, yeah, I guess maybe about five, six times over the years, and uh, as, as well as CNN and Fox News. I mean, Fox News in some ways was the most significant because not only was I on Fox News, I was on Bill O'Reilly's show four times. And uh, that, that was pretty uh, amazing. Uh, but, you know, as far as Bill O'Reilly is concerned, clearly what, you know, what they love to do is they like to get a progressive speaker on the show and then they think they're going to pummel them. And uh, But I got some pretty good shots in. If you're interested in that, you can just search on YouTube for Paul Levinson and Bill O'Reilly, and you can see Bill and I go at it several times. It almost sounds like a Marvel Comics 
uh, team up issue, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Paul <yeah>. Levinson <laughs> team up with <laughs> Bill O'Reilly. Oh God, yeah. You know, <laughs> versus the Rhino. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it sounds sounds wild. But but here we are at the pinnacle of the broadcast medium, WUSB Radio, and and you're very generous to share this Sunday night with us. Um, so a lot of stuff has come down the pike. Um, I, you know, I, I do have some audio to play about this whole Martha's Vineyards thing, uh, this stunt that was just pulled, but maybe we could start there. And Paul, uh, put us into context here. These these immigrants um, came up from uh, Venezuela, Venezuela, and things have been going on uh, south of the border for decades, and and people are coming up now and have been for quite a while but a lot of this um is due to some of the policies and the things we we've we've done over the years uh, down there uh i mean wouldn't wouldn't you agree with that we've we've installed some of these governments uh, over the years absolutely but you know to get back to what i was saying before you know the word fascism is thrown around uh, a lot uh, sometimes not with due cause other times with due cause and what's going on here in the United States, and for that matter, in, in the world, is unfortunately an arch example of fascism, because among the things that fascists have always done is they treat certain people as somehow not fully human, as, as less than human. And, and obviously, the, the worst horrendous example of that is what the Nazis did to Jewish people. But even though the Nazi regime per se is gone, there are still a lot of people, including uh, the governors of Texas and Florida, who, as far as I'm concerned, th th this is the classic fascist handbook. You, you make yourself popular with the, the, the ignorant, bigoted people who will, they hope, support you. You make yourself popular by lashing out at less privileged people. And the favorite victim of this is what sociologists refer to as the other. In other words, someone who in some way is different than what the ideal of the fascist is. So, you know, in Hitler's Germany, it was blonde, blue-eyed. Very interesting because Hitler himself had black hair and, and brown eyes. So, you know, the, the fascists don't need to be logically consistent. And what happened, and uh, I assume it's going to keep happening. Yeah, and, 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 you know, as I'm sure your listeners know, this was a whole complicated thing where these immigrants started out in Texas and, and the, the, the Republican governor of Texas didn't want them there. And the Republican governor of Florida figured out a way that he could be, quote, helpful, unquote, by arranging to get these people shipped up north. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think the joke is going to be, and it's not a joke really at all, the, the, the result of this, though, is going to wind up helping these people because, look, I'm sorry to say, I'm sure there are plenty of bigots up north here as well. But, it, but as you know, I spend, you know, just about 
most of every summer with my family on Cape Cod. And I'm sure there are bigots there. But I can also tell you, Cape Cod has some really kind hearted, wonderful people. The, the summer after Trump was first elected, I'll never forget my wife and I went uh, to, a, to a local intersection uh, near the bay uh, on Cape Cod. And we met a lot of friends there that we didn't even know were going to be there. And we staged a massive protest. There were thousands of people there sticking it to Trump and his then immigration policy. So, you know, I, I saw a, a survey actually just today that said 56 percent of Americans don't approve of what that fascist DeSantis uh, governor of, of Florida uh, did. And uh, look, I wish it would be 96%, but I'll take 56%. And, you know, there's going to be an election coming up in November, and we'll see what happens. But maybe this guy will be voted out of office. As a matter of fact, th th there are elections for governor in both Texas and Florida coming up uh, this uh, November. And uh, who knows, this story may have a really happy ending. And I can't help but think that over in um, Texas, um, this is a great way for, I, I believe the governor is at it in Texas, am I right? Yes. Um, to um, to move on from the tragedy of Uvalde, you know, which, which was just a massive, um, you know, uh, failure in terms of law enforcement and, and how, how they handle that terrible situation. And, and that... That of course, you know, sticks to the administration all the way up to the office of the governor up there. Um, so this is, I think, a quick way to get attention focused uh, on on their greatest hits. You know, and this has been going on yeah. gone for decades. This this sort of you know they're coming to take our jobs. They're all drug dealers or all this or all that. Uh, these are people who basically are 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 looking for a political sanctuary. These are people who are escaping a terrible situation. Who have um, you know who are, who are getting uh, beaten or killed or or, or their children, uh, you know, or, or their women are being you know sold into prostitution and 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 it's and and they're running for their lives and they came up here um, as a latch ditch effort and to be used for political theater um, is is just beyond the pale it's 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 ridiculous and it's de oh, yeah. it's dehumanizing and i i don't care if you're you know um a conservative or a liberal um this is this is more of a human issue and and they're using these these people as props and yeah <laughs> no absolutely and you know i i'm not sure if you and i ever talked about this all of us are immigrants here right i mean there was a time when no european uh, person descended from Europeans lived here. And, you know, in my case, all four of my grandparents came from Europe. In fact, one of them, my grandmother, came from Kiev. Mm. And uh, she was very glad she was here because she didn't have any use for Russia. Even back then, she didn't particularly like Russia. That's one of the reasons she came. She was just a little girl and she was thrilled to be here in the United States. I do want to say, you know, apropos Rivalde, I'm not sure if you and I have talked about this, but we have in the past talked, you know, about Black Lives Matter and about the police just outright murder of, of people like George Floyd. And, and it is, you know, sort of interesting is not the word. I guess it's sort of 
sickening and just horrifying that that on the one hand you you have police killing innocent african american men and women and on the other hand when they're called upon to do their job they stand there like abject cowards while these poor kids are slaughtered by this depraved young man with a, with a semi-automatic. So they can't even do their jobs. And I know it's wrong to generalize. There are some good police. But, you know, I, I remember uh, shortly after Uvalde, someone made a very, very important point that, you know, the police are not trained for active combat. That's what the military is trained for. The police have weapons, but what they're trained to do is how to intimidate unarmed civilians with their weapons. That, that's basically what police procedure is, whether you like it or not, whether the orders they give are justified or not. That's why they carry their guns. And what we saw in Uvalde is what happens sometimes when they are indeed faced with some person actively firing at them. And, you know, some horrible things have also happened in Florida, but, uh, you know, you do need to bring Uvalde up because that is another completely different and even more tragic example of, uh, again, the, the fascism that's rife in this country, that, that you, you, you have people who are armed, all they can do is intimidate innocent civilians. They can't even do their job and, and stop a murderer from murdering kids. And, and you know, to stand, you know, and, and, and to, to stick up for the police a little bit uh, as well, you know, this, of course, this is an armed, you know, live shooting, you know, situation. They're mere feet away from the classroom where, where the kids are being taken out. Um, we, we, we talk about the term defund the police and, and that unfortunately has been misinterpreted. I think the idea is to take the funding, uh, and, and use it for policing, but also use it for problems that get laid at the police on the police's shoulders, the problems of mental health, the problems of dealing with, um, these, these issues where, where somebody could be mentally ill or somebody could have other issues where, where a good counselor or social worker would be able to diffuse a situation and you give, um, and, and sometimes, yes, sometimes you need to come in and you need to be armed and you need to have that intimidation, uh, to gain control of the situation. But, what's what's the term you know uh, you know every problem looks like a every problem looks like a nail to the hammer you know <laughs> yeah well, that's exactly right <laughs> so so right. they can't and and then here we are in this situation where you know had there been proper um restrictions you know for the purchase of that sort of weapon had this 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 killer been able to uh have some sort of intervention somewhere along uh, the lines of his of his uh, growing up, this sort of thing could have been avoided, and instead, you know, we're in here with this tragedy and and just talking about it. it's it's. I mean, it's. I can't drive. I, I used to drive through Sandy Hook all the time, and I and 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 it was just awful every single time I did it. You know, it's just you can't. You feel like you're 
you're you're driving over the graves of those children. You know, just just going, just seeing this this name of the town. We used to come up to uh, upstate that way. You know, taking the ferry from Port Jeff. <clears throat> yeah, and and I, it's just so difficult, you know, to even think about it. It's very very difficult. Look, look I you know I I've been giving given obviously like everybody else with a brain a lot of thought to what can be done, and and this applies to most of the things uh, that you and I have talked about and probably will be talking about tonight. The the only way out of this, and and I did mention you know voting. Abbott and DeSantis out of office, uh, keeping the Democratic majority in the House of Representatives, increasing the Democratic majority in the Senate by two additional senators. That's possible. The, it, once that happens, you don't need Manchin or Cinema uh, to, to basically do away with the filibuster. And, and frankly, one of the first things that should be done, and I hope is done when that happens, is increasing the number of justices on the Supreme Court. The number nine is not in the Constitution. It says nothing in the Constitution anywhere about the number of Supreme Court justices. That number has been changed several times in our history. And, uh, you know, put in, uh, you know, another six justices, uh, increase the number from nine to 15, make sure all those six justices are progressive. And then Congress can pass a strong gun control law. And we don't have to worry that, that this Supreme Court, now three of whose justices were appointed by Trump, uh, will, with the people who were appointed by prior Republicans, by the way, Trump uh, didn't win the popular vote, as we know, in 2016. Neither did George W. Bush in 2000. And he got to appoint Alito, etc. So the, the current Supreme Court is not the result of a Democratic with a small d process. It's the result of a lot of different things, including an anachronistic electoral college, but we can take advantage of that same constitution and increase the number of justices. And that, by the way, will also work in terms of overturning the Supreme Court's horrendous decision when they overturn Roe v. Wade. You know, it's not it's not enough for even legislation to be passed because it'll still be at the mercy of this current Supreme Court. So ultimately, we have to expand the number of justices on the court. Are you surprised uh, I, that they that they overturned Roe v. Wade? I always felt like when they did that, um, it was what it, the the analogy I always heard was the dog finally caught the car. <laughs> what do you do with it? <laughs> the dog is chasing the car. So, so they overturned it. They overturned it before an election, and there are a lot of angry people in the country right now um, who are motivated to vote. Uh, did they? Did the uh, the far right shoot themselves in the foot with this decision? Well, I hope so, and <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, you know, in the first week of November. And by the way, on, on that score, yeah, you know, again, what's going to happen is Trump and these MAGA fascist uh, people who support him, 
they'll no doubt claim that there was something illegitimate about that election, because in, in that mindset, the only election which has been conducted in a fair and legal way is an election in which a MAGA Trumpist Republican wins. Anybody else wins the election, there's something wrong with the election. That's a pretty neat formula if you can get away with it. So far, they haven't, but they're chafing at the bit. And, you know, I have to tell you, I am, as you know from our past discussions, uh, you know, pretty much of an optimist. And I never would have predicted that in 2022 we would be in this situation. Even when Trump was running in 2016, I didn't think that this would happen. I made the mistake, as many people did, of thinking Trump is a clown. He is, but he's he, he's far worse than that at the same time. And I made the mistake, as many people did back then, that when Trump did this, oh, he called, you know, said McCain is a coward and a loser. That's going to, you know, wind up losing him a lot of votes. Maybe he'll have to withdraw from the race. No, that didn't happen. Or when that uh, audio recording of Trump, Trump bragging about what he does with women and how much they like it, that that would basically turn off every woman voter in the United States. That didn't happen. So we have to take Trump very seriously. He's not gone. You know, he managed to survive COVID after doing incredible damage, spouting nonsense like drink, you know, disinfectant. That's a good cure and all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, he's campaigning very hard for people who support him in this upcoming uh, 2022 uh, election. And if he has anything to say about it, he'll be the candidate in 2024. So America and Americans who see things, in our view, clearly, have to do everything we and they can to stop this from happening. Um, you know, I always thought that, you know, in the, in the beginning, I, I thought Trump was just running for the money. It was like more of like a publicity thing, an extension of his TV show. Now, looking at the behavior uh, of everyone and everything, it seems like it's a flat out um, it's a flat out cult <laughs> and with the violence that is being incited violence by Lindsey Graham, even, um, it's turning into a death cult and, and people, you know, I, I mean, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the top secret stuff in, in a few, in a little bit. I want to, I want to touch on Martha's Vineyard a little bit more before, before the end. Uh, but we're talking about it, it's no longer Republican Party. It's it's a cult. It's a cult to the level of Jim Jones. Um, this man, he can say one thing and the exact opposite three seconds later, and uh, his followers will will obey him. Yeah. Well, look, let, let, I'll you know, let's be honest. And as you well know, I uh, in my whole long life, I only voted Republican once. Uh, and that was when I first started voting. 
And uh, maybe I didn't know as much as I know now. But no, the reason then I voted Republican was John Lindsay was running for re-election as mayor. And I wanted to reward him because he did come out against the Vietnam War, which I think was a very important thing to do in the 1960s. And um, as a matter of fact, I supported him so much. I was a, believe it or not, Republican poll watcher in the Bronx, uh, making sure that the Democrats didn't take anything away, you know, do anything unorthodox uh, to the votes that John Lindsay was amassing. But I did have good judgment because Lindsay, shortly after he was reelected mayor in 1969, basically switched parties and became a Democrat. So other than that one time, I've never voted Republican. I've never liked them. I think by and large, look, you know, people, including even Barack Obama, still occasionally say nice things about Ronald Reagan. Uh, I, I don't know what nice there is to say about Ronald Reagan. I mean, I get, okay, compared to Trump, anybody is nice. So, so you know, Ronald Reagan didn't like personally insult people, but he did some terrible things. I mean, yes. Reagan was responsible, but more than anyone else, for changing the tax law in this country so, so that poor people and even more importantly, middle class people were taxed even more because what the very rich people want is to keep upper middle class people from taking over the position that rich people have. So it was under Reagan that for the first time in American history, corporate taxes were reduced and yeah. a lot of the things that we're upset about now began then. And, uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, George W. Bush, uh, George H. W. Bush, he was OK. You know, none of these Republicans uh, did much good for the country. And, and so I'm, I'm sorry to say the uh, uh, the guy who should be host uh, tonight, and I guess is like off on vacation, this will probably be the last time the guy takes off from his show. I'm not sure. His he's actually, listener. he's actually let me fill in for him before he, he knows right. he's listened to All me right. before. So, so, so he, when I, when I sign up for it, you know what it is? I, he, I think whatever. I think he's probably going to, if he if he talks about it at all, it's probably just going to be just a laugh at us, which is fine oh, because I'm a, I'm a funny guy. You know? <laughs> you, are very, you are very funny. And look, you do have to laugh at some of these things because otherwise you'll just be crying constantly. Yes. I, I mean, I, so Trump is a, a clown. And I have to say, you know, I've mentioned this to you before. Trump has provided a lot of laughs. As far as my job as a professor Trump has been a boom because he gives me new material every day. I mean, it's unbelievable. There have been times I've been driving in to teach a class and I'm listening to MSNBC. I hear the latest thing about Trump or QAnon. And I'm teaching a course, digital media and public responsibility or freedom of expression. And boom, I, I change where I'm going to be talking about to my class because this is new, fresher material. He's so, writing He's writing your plan book for you. It's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> Fantastic. I want to mention one thing you said about John Lindsay. Um, he's, he's a little bit before my time, but I did watch the brilliant uh, documentary, The Summer of Soul, 
and oh, yes. and John Lindsay actually was there and helped facilitate that. And and right. believe it or not, I mean, I'm just I'm I'm only reading the little blurb. I'm not reading the whole article. Uh, it says John Lindsay, a liberal Republican, was mayor of New York City from 1966 to 1973, a staunch ally of embattled black and brown residents uh, of, of New York good. City. And and if you watch the documentary Summer of Soul, I believe Lindsay is in it, and he uh, helped facilitate that that wonderful uh, concert, which was buried for decades while everybody gathered around Woodstock. And there's nothing wrong with Woodstock. Uh, but the fact that this Summer of Soul um, footage was then surfaced until 2022 is a crime. You know, it is. It was a great concert. Uh, Tina, my wife, and I were talking about that. We saw the documentary. It was fabulous. Tina has a very good friend who was a journalist back then, and he actually was covering that concert. Uh, in what is now Marcus Garvey Park in Manhattan. And <laughs> even though they were friends, Tina didn't even know about it because, we, again, we, we didn't go to Woodstock, but we were so wrapped up in it. And, yeah, it's not surprising that John Lindsay was a patron of that and helped make it happen because he, he was a great man. And uh, I just couldn't believe, when I watched the documentary, I couldn't believe he was a Republican because the 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 the... What passes for Republican today, there was no way Lindsay could pass for Republican in 2022. You know, there's absolutely no way. He, 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 he wouldn't, you know, he possibly could not even be a Democrat. He's, he almost seems like a Bernie Sanders Democrat now, if you look back at it, you know? <laughs> uh, so, so I forgive you uh, for... for <laughs> <laughs> because he seems like he seems like he was a good guy you know it seems like yeah, his no, heart was in the right thanks. place he gave me he was he was a he was a very good guy there were other republicans then by the way who were also nowhere nearly as bad as current republicans but there were no great shakes either i don't know if you remember jacob javits he was in current parlance i you know, he was okay, the guy, but he was still a Republican. And, you know, he acted like he was doing everyone a favor when he voted in favor of the Civil Rights Act. Oh. He acted like, oh, look at this great thing I'm doing when it should have just been a very obvious thing he was doing. So, uh, and look, Dwight Eisenhower, he was an okay president. I give him credit for uh, setting up the interstate highway system. You know, I still use it from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they have like the, the Republicans have their uses, is what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. Oh, it's a joke. They they you know they 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 flew these these immigrants up to you know uh, to the vice president's residence. They flew them up to uh, Martha's Vineyard. Ha ha. But at the same time, they had to make um, appearances at these quote unquote home addresses, and they made those home addresses as far from Martha's Vineyard as possible so those poor people would be um couldn't possibly make those meetings and they would be deported i mean it seems really really horrible it's, i don't want to belittle it but it sort of reminds yeah, right. me of the of the of you know the of 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 the ship you know uh, you know uh, of of Jews in World War II who were turned away by the, by the United States i mean uh, is that a stretch you know that's what i was thinking of when i was le reading the story no, it's not a stretch at all. And, uh, 
you know, in case our listeners don't know about this, uh, you know, Nazi Germany had already declared its intentions. I mean, Hitler declared his intentions back in Mein Kampf, which he wrote, uh, you know, the late 1920s. And, and so here was a boat of Jewish people which managed to escape Europe just before the Nazis had complete power over so many different countries. And look, I think Franklin Delano Roosevelt did a lot of good and great things as president, but turning that boatload of people away, not letting them come to the United States, consistent with the Statue of Liberty, give us, you know, your hungry, your people yearning to be free yeah, and so on. Yeah, uh, That was probably the single worst thing that Franklin Delano Roosevelt ever did. And by the way, it's useful to mention that because even though you and I have been justifiably, to say the least, critical of current Republicans, it's not as if the Democrats are always angels and always do the right thing. And, and sometimes they don't, as what FDR did. And, I, you know, I will say what's happening now on Martha's Vineyard is one small step removed from what the Nazis did. Not by much, but it's a small step because at least these people are not going immediately to their, to their deaths. That's what Roosevelt did when he refused to let the ship load of uh, people stay here. But, but it's pretty bad. And yeah, it comes from the same handbook of dehumanizing anyone who has different characteristics than you do. So, you know, if you're if you're a Native American, if you've been living here, uh, you know, as part of a culture long before the Europeans got here, once the Europeans get power, they either exterminate Native Americans or they put them in reservations. In other words, they can't mix with regular people. Mm -hmm. They're dehumanizing them. When people are brought here as slaves, they didn't want to come here in the first place. Who wants to be a slave? When they're finally freed, what the racists do is they try to treat them as second-class citizens. They're not somehow fully human. Why? Because they have a different skin color? If you think about it, that's as dumb as saying someone who has brown eyes versus blue eyes or blue eyes versus brown eyes is is not fully or completely human and they and they're doing that with women when they say yes. to women you don't have control over your own bodies it's the same thing over and over again you you know the, the and it, and it may be true that there are some women and obviously justice barrett is a woman appointed to the supreme court who supported the overturning of roe v wade so it's not completely a male versus a female thing but but it's a male ideology it's saying you are something, someone who is different from me and i know better than you what you can and should and need to do with your own body. And, you know, it, it, it's a it's a really uh, horrendous and tragic and low point in American history. And, you know, one of the things that you and I were talking about just a few minutes ago, it's the confluence 
of all these things, which really caught everyone, including me, by surprise. And we haven't even talked about the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but and I'm sure we'll get to that. But if you just think about it, 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 it's what Republicans are doing to immigrants. It's, it's what largely Republican men are trying to do and doing to women. Uh, you know, every single page of this is taken out of the fascist handbook of you, the fascist, are somehow part of a self-proclaimed superior species and you have the right to do whatever you please to every other human being. And and there never seems to be solutions. You know, there used to be, like, going back to Lindsay for a second, there used to be a Republican Party that would debate, that would show alternatives, that you could have a conversation with. In this particular instance, it's like, well, this is the way it's going to be, and it's our way or the highway. And it's it's disheartening that there is no debate. It's either this is what they're going to have done or they're going to stonewall it. And getting on to the immigration issue, this could be worked on. This could I mean, I'm sitting here saying to myself, what happened in Martha's Vineyard at the at the end of that flight, you know, ultimately was a good thing because those people are going to be taken care of. But Martha's Vineyard isn't set up to be an immigration, um, you know, access point. It's it's not, you know, what I'm saying it's they don't have the right. facilities there. So this, and and it's great that that these people, you know, are are being taken care of. But if ten thousand showed up, um, the the island wouldn't be able to handle it. The facilities are not there. Um, is is this situation as these people are coming in, and this just going to increase as climate change uh, increases? This needs to be addressed in a, in a constructive way. It needs to be addressed. You know, there needs to be agents and officers and facilities and doctors and 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 counselors and translators and and this needs to be addressed. And at the same time, Paul, apparently no one wants to work in the United States, and an entire labor force is sitting in detention at our southern border, right. ready to work. It just it's there's exactly. a huge disconnect here. No, on, on, on all kinds of levels. And, and the problem is, and I know we're going to be talking a little bit about this, uh, in, in a healthy society, what could and should be immediately done about this is the governors of those two states should be taken to court. Uh, and at the very least, they should, they should be ordered by courts not to do that. And maybe even, you know, I, I saw uh, on MSNBC, I think it was Glenn Kirshner, uh, a, a lawyer, and he, he had some role in the Obama administration. The, part of the statutes that govern kidnapping cover this thing. That, and, and there's even a term for it, kidnapping inveiglement. And, and what that means in plain English is that the way you kidnap the person is you lie to them about, hey, come here, there'll be something better for you. And then once you have them in your power, you do whatever you want with them. And I, it's pretty clear these people, they didn't come against their will in that they didn't resist it, but they came, you know, and, and were part of this 
without being fully briefed about what was going on, right? They were lied to on the plane. They weren't told where they were going. And uh, I think that's a kind of kidnapping, and I'm not the only one. Yeah. But unfortunately, but unfortunately, as we know, every single thing that the Republicans are doing, that Trump was doing, that, that Trump's acolytes in, in governor's mansions in, in Texas and Florida and elsewhere, everything that those bozos do, you, you could do nothing but fill the courts for the next 10 years with cases filed against them. And you have to hope you don't get a Trump appointed judge, which is what happened uh, with the Mar-a-Lago top secret documents that God knows who Trump sold them to or shared them with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just just one last comment on this is um, I pulled up an article uh and I don't know a lot about this, but I know uh, that's why I called you. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's comparing uh, the, the, the people uh, who came up to the uh, reverse freedom rides. Um, and uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? That happened in the 60s. Well, the Freedom Riders, they were a very uh, brave group of people from the north who went south. Uh, into places in which there was still enforced segregation, into which uh, African-American people were being mistreated, beaten, you know, sometimes killed. And they tried to support African-American people down there and did, and, you know, talk to people about the law. And some of these freedom writers paid for it with their lives. And this was one of the things that finally, finally got the federal government to get off the dime and eventually pass the Civil Rights Act and make sure that schools in the South were integrated. So this, in effect, was happening now is reverse freedom rider, because what you have with freedom riders are northerners going down to the South to help people in the South. And here you have Southern governors taking immigrants and sending them back, uh, not back because they weren't there in the first place, but back in terms of back to the North, which had sent freedom riders uh, in the 1960s. So it, it, it's not only the reverse in terms of geography and which direction it's going, but it's the reverse in terms of the freedom riders were a brave force for the good. And what Abbott and DeSantis are doing is a cowardly force for evil. It seems like DeSantis is really grooming himself uh, for a serious 2024 run. I mean, the specter of Trump looms over everything that happens in politics today. Can you imagine a 2024 Republican primary with DeSantis and Trump going out? I don't know. Is, is that a you possibility know, or or yeah. will the Republicans just bow down to their leader and do whatever he decrees? You know? <laughs> Look, it's frightening, however you consider it. And were I a Republican, and obviously there are a few Republicans like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, but were I a Republican as sensible as Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and had a, as a keen a sense of the Constitution as I gave those two Republicans credit for having. Um, I, but if I were just a run-of-the-mill Republican, 
Uh, I don't, uh, I, 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 and basically I had some control over those people. I don't know who the better person for the country would be. You know, part of me thinks I just don't want Trump in the White House ever again, because God knows what he'll do this time. But part of me also thinks if you think about someone like DeSantis, uh, he, he is a little smarter than Trump. Yes. He's a little slicker than Trump, a little smoother than Trump. DeSantis won't say anything as abjectly stupid as, hey, I, I think this, you know, disinfectant is good, uh, you know, for, uh, for for killing viruses, right? We, we should drink some of it and uh, let it clean out the inside, right? And he turns to Dr. Burke, was that a name? And, and you know, she, that poor she, woman, that poor yeah, Exactly. Can you she imagine going a, to school for, for, for years know. and years and years and trying to like on live TV? <laughs> oh, I mean, look, I know what I would have done. You have to have them. So I would have turned. No, you are bat shit crazy. <laughs> no, uh, that can't be done. <laughs> I mean that that really yeah yeah, I, but you but you're right though. DeSantis DeSantis seems like he he's he's learning at the feet of Trump. He seems to be a little more savvy. He's using he's throwing out the red meat. You know this whole thing with the with the immigrants, um, the way he is uh, dealt with uh, COVID in Florida. Um, the you know his choice uh, for his his. Um, what was it? His his, his the the uh, the uh, the physician who who is who is what's the name of the physician in Florida? Um, oh, I forgot. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? That yeah. that that guy whose whose medical uh, uh, right. uh, uh, credentials the, were in question. <laughs> the medical genius that yes. he appointed that position. Yeah. But it, it seems like he's really he's really playing. You know the whole the whole thing here i don't know if he is going it seems like he's starting to assemble um a followers not to the level of donald trump uh but he definitely has his fans out there and that's that's kind of frightening because it's i don't see if there could be much difference between a desantis um presidency and a trump presidency maybe there'll be less tweeting ridiculousness and maybe the tweets will be spelt better <laughs> you know? yeah, well, look, remember in 1984 one of the characteristics of that brilliant dystopian novel of that society that george orwell published back in 1948 they could just change what was accepted as truth uh, on a dime, on a moment's notice. So they might have been at war with Eurasia, and they they decided for whatever reason the party leaders in in, in that fascist communist state, which pretty much are this is the same by the way, fascism and communism when it comes to what we're talking about. Uh, th- and they basically could just change to you know North America being the enemy. So you know the people who support Trump. They have that mindset. They don't understand, and it's not so hard to understand, they don't accept, is probably a better word, that there's such a thing as truth and there's such a thing as falsity. And it exists objectively independent of what anyone might think. They, in contrast, feel and think and act as if what determines truth is what they say is truth. So it would be trivially easy for them to just switch 
one moment and say it turns out Trump is is himself a pedophile and a devil and he probably was visiting that pizza parlor you know in Washington that Hillary Clinton you know was and Anthony Weiner and John Podesta were running and we were wrong about him and JFK Jr. is indeed still alive he's coming back but the person who best represents that view is Governor DeSantis they could do that in, uh, in an instant because that's the way the fascist model works. You don't have to worry about what's actually objectively factual and true. Whatever you say is factually true. That's what you and your followers accept. Wow. Wow. Um, let's move on to, uh, <laughs> let's move on <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> We're launching into the second hour here. Uh, you're listening to Paul Levinson and Captain Phil. We're filling in for Christian tonight on Cafe Americaine. And, um, yes, we have gone, um, we've gone rogue. It's April Fool's Day, boys and girls. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, the opinions expressed here, are those are the people who gave them. And we're going to discuss the amount of top secret documents uh, Paul Evanson is hoarding <laughs> yeah. in his in his office at uh, Fordham University. So uh, this that was I did not have this in my playlist for 2022, Paul. That there would be uh, reams and reams of top secret documents um, in a golf resort in in, in Florida. <laughs> Well, the only secret documents that I'm really hoarding are my novels and stories that have not yet been published. I don't want them to be secret. I love them to be public. Everybody can see them and read them, but what can you do? So you invited the FBI to come. That's right. Well, I often say, you know, I wouldn't mind if somebody, if they were like tapping my phone because they'd hear me talking about, hey, so, uh, you know, borrow tides. Don't believe what they say. It's not my worst <laughs> Get us and and you're all for getting a special master to go over these documents of yours, Paul. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Listen, I'm not really into this, but every time I hear that special master, I know. Part of me feels like saying, "Oh, I'd love to have a special master. <laughs> Tell me what pleases you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's it's like what? <laughs> I know, who came up with that term? Like, we're and, going to be appointing a special master. Does she have whips? I mean, what's going? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually a real thing. It's just there's never been there's never been a situation where it's a real thing, but it was never a situation where this has come up. It's yeah, it's 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 kind of amazing, you know, that it, it it's come to that. Um what do you think? What do you think he was doing with that stuff? I mean, in, uh, the cynic in me, and this is pure conjecture. I'm not as smart as uh, as Paul is, you know. But I, I was thinking to myself, you know, does he have like information on on Israel's nuclear program, and was he selling it to the Saudis? I mean, that's and that's just me blue skying. Okay, so that that that's based on nothing except my own paranoia. Okay. So no, I, I'm literally making be, stuff up here, but I mean, what is that the sort of thing that we're 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 looking at here? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I often uh, do this little exercise with my students. I say there are three things that motivate people in their professional lives. And if you had to rank them, which would you put in first, second, and third place? And those three things are money, power, and fame. And, and by the way, in case anybody is interested, I would probably put fame 
first and then money. I like money and I would put power probably last because I, I was chair of my department for a while. I don't particularly like power. You know, I'd like the power to do good things, but that that's yet something else. But Trump is unique in that he pursues and loves and lives off the energy he gets from all three things. And so if, if you think about why would he have taken those secret documents? Well, money, maybe he'd be able to sell them, you know, to somebody, blackmail someone or power. Maybe he would feel he'd have more power in the world because he could, you know, in effect, say to Putin, look, I'll, I'll give you some documents, and, you know, this will help Russia do such and such, like maybe invade Ukraine, who knows? And, uh, and even fame in the sense that he likes to be known by important people. He wants people to call upon him. He, he wants to be the person that everyone goes to, you know, the, the center of attraction. And by the way, on that fame thing, uh, I don't think for a minute that Trump is really all that aggravated about this because he loves the attention he's getting. And if he's aggravated about anything, and one of the reasons why he's fighting so hard to deny that he lost the election, he's, he's aggravated about the loss of attention that he got the day that he walked out of the White House and you and I and anybody else with a brain in this country and the world breathed a big sigh of relief. And so he actually is enjoying this, I think. And uh, I think his motives are all three of those. And again, as I said earlier in the conversation, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate that he, as far as we know, he has gotten away with just about every single thing that he has done previously. The, the Mueller report, that was supposed to result in his impeachment. He was impeached, but found not guilty by the Senate. Even the attack on the Capitol that he fomented on January 6th, he was impeached for that. The Senate voted not to convict him. So he gets away with this over and over and over again. He's not yet spent a day in prison and that's what he is banking on and riding on. It's it's beyond belief. It's it's beyond belief. And just the amount of risk um, dealing with that. You know, a lot of times people, you know, we, we like to say, you know, he's ridiculous, he's stupid, DeSantis is smarter than he is. Um, he had to know this was not right to take this stuff. He, he must just believe he's untouchable. I mean, you and I, I they, they would have locked us up 10 times already, <laughs> thrown away the key. You know, we'd be in Guantanamo uh, right now <laughs> if, if this was us taking these documents. He's arguing with the archives <laughs> for, what, a year about returning these things. And then and, and finally, you know, they, you know they, they came and got him, which, which also kills me because it was the librarians, uh, Paul. <laughs> That, yeah, you know, yeah, it was Bookman, well, the library detective. You know, it was Bookman. That's Bookman right. I know. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, but but that's see again. He doesn't care about the law. He doesn't care that something's illegal. What he cares about is what he wants. And you know, if he wants to 
have these documents for whatever purpose. That that's the end of his reasoning on that. He doesn't care that the law says he can't do it. And you know, he's not only has he gotten away with it, he finds stooges who support him and find ways of agreeing with him. And and you have all these, you know, if you step back for a second, it's frightening and horrendous. But look at someone like William Barr, you know, the, the former attorney general. He writes an article when Trump is in office explaining how Trump can get out of the Mueller investigation unscathed. Uh, he talks about it, Barr does on Fox. Trump sees him and hears him and basically appoints him attorney general. And for most of his tenure, Barr basically does everything he can to support Trump. Anything that Trump wanted to do, Barr found a way of saying, yes, it's legal. And they finally break when Trump has lost the election and Barr can't see a way of making Trump's insane view that he won the election work. And so we know what happened. Barr quits. Now Barr is a critic of Trump. But it's not as if there are not other people like Bill Barr currently whispering in Trump's ear, maybe talking to him aloud, not whispering, and basically saying to him, yeah, look, you're president. You can declare these documents unclassified, you know, when you're leaving and take them with you. No, you, you can do that, but that doesn't mean you can take them with you because something being unclassified doesn't mean that you, the private citizen Trump, can have them. They would be then in the National Archives. But, you know, the, the advice he's getting doesn't go that far. So he st starts off with, you know, this attitude that we correctly attribute to little kids who just want what they want. That's you know, part of growing up. They want what they want until they learn, well, you know, you live in a world with other people. You might want this, but you can't have this right now, et cetera, et cetera. Trump, unfortunately, never progressed that far. His, his mind, his id is still on that level. So he does whatever he wants, whatever feels right and good to him. And he finds a, a seemingly endless supply of stooges who reinforce what he does and tells him, yeah, you're perfectly fine. You can do that. And he continues to get away with it. So basically, he lost the election. He's no longer president. He didn't get away with that. But he surrounds himself and constantly says, I really won the election. And all the things that he did, all of the illegal things that he did to overturn the lawful election of 2020, has Trump been brought to court on that? Not as yet. Mm. He hasn't been indicted. Not as yet. And, you know, and in addition to all of that, if you look at the last couple of years, they're paved with things like what in, in New York, uh, they were considering indicting Trump for something a couple of years ago. They dropped the case at the last minute. Uh, you know why they do that? I don't know. So. If you have this perverted mentality that basically believes that everything you do is right and society does not call you up on that and you keep getting away with that, that's what we're dealing with with Trump. You know, it's, it's, 
I mean, there's been plenty of people throughout history who have done things like Trump has done and claimed the right to do so, and they've had their day in court and they've been taken to account for it, you know, and, and, and they have gone to jail. I just find it uh, amazing. Like, first, it just seems amazing that it hasn't caught up with this guy yet. It's, 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 it's shocking. Um, and then again, it, it leads you into this cult that has surrounded him. The most unlikely cult leader, a reality TV star, <laughs> Um, and and he has these followers who went out and got themselves killed after the Mar-a-Lago, um, you know, when, when they went and, and found the papers in Mar-a-Lago. We had people attacking FBI offices, and then they, they were put down. Um, this, this, is, this is, it's tragic, you know. That was somebody who believed this, this nonsense, and, and the payment of it is they lost their lives. And I don't think that dude lost two minutes of sleep over it, Paul. I don't no. think he could care one bit that one of his followers is over there shooting. What was he shooting? A nail gun into the FBI offices or something ridiculous? It was. I think it was in uh, Ohio. Um, yep. Just because um, I, it wasn't even a raid, you know. They 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 came in and they got the documents, and that was that. And if it happened, uh, and if it happened to us, they didn't break down the door. They had the proper paperwork there. They knocked on the door. They came in and they got it. And and the next thing you know, the the names of these uh, agents surface surface in the media. Thanks thanks to Trump, you know. And and I'm like, this is just wrong on so many levels. And people people are getting hurt. And they're you know, if you want to follow Donald Trump and if you want to vote for him and if that's your thing, great. But you shouldn't have to lose your life to it for it. It's not he's not worth it. He's <laughs> not worth it. I don't understand, and I, you know, I honestly mean this. I don't understand why any sane person would vote for Trump, but yet millions of people do. Yeah. And you know, one of the things about the 2020 election again is Trump believes he. Well, I don't know what Trump really believes, but one of the things that Trump says as proof that he wants to present that he won the 2020 election is that he got more votes than he did in 2016. That's true. But what he doesn't want to acknowledge is that Biden got still more votes than Trump got. And, you know, that's the way he operates. He selectively picks and chooses. And that's what he does with QAnon. So, you know, I haven't heard Trump talk about QAnon's idea that JFK Jr., who tragically died in a plane crash, you know, in the late 1990s, that he's still alive. And they have pictures of someone who doesn't even look anything like him saying, here, here he is. And there, so I don't know. First of all, I would recommend there's a fascinating documentary about QAnon I saw about a year ago, which does get into some of this and who the people behind it may be. But I have no idea whether that's accurate or not. It seemed pretty convincing. But what is crystal clear is, and you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the Jones cult and, and the people who lost their lives there. The, the, the hallmark of all of these cults is, again, truth, facts, 
as we know them don't matter. They make up their own truth, they make up their own facts, and then that's how they see the world. And, you know, I don't think Trump believes that JFK Jr. is still alive. I think in his case, as you know, there's a great uh, recording, a video recording of him. Somebody asks him, how do you feel about QAnon? They're supporting you. And he, he sort of mumbles and babbles out. Uh, I don't really know much about it, but but they seem to like me. And, you know, that's good with me. You know, you know if, they, if they support me. And so, you know, that was pretty much a moment of truth from Trump. That's all he cares about. And it doesn't matter how crazy they are. But yet they're continuing and again, I think this is like a ray of hope. I, I, I hope and I even think that the more that the Republicans who voted for Trump find out about QAnon, it will weaken some of those numbers of people, and which is, which is only good. Because in a democracy, you only need one vote to win in each state. By the way, another thing we have to do is abolish the Electoral College, but, uh, you know, that'll happen someday, too, probably not in our lifetime. No, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so yeah. either. I believe I, I, was, I was watching uh, the, uh, the network uh, news talk shows this morning, uh, Face the Nation and Meet the Press, and I, I, or maybe I saw this on a, because I, I don't get MSNBC as a channel, I just have the, the Roku stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And I believe I saw a segment where where uh, Trump was wearing like a QAnon lapel pins or something now. <laughs> so right, he he has uh, just come closer and closer to just fully outrightly embracing QAnon. And again, it's because you know he 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 sniffs out that they are incredibly loyal supporters to him. By the way, what he doesn't get, as I mentioned earlier, they could turn on a dime or on a penny or whatever the best uh, analogy <laughs> is and support someone else if, for whatever reason, Trump fell out of favor. Turn on uh, a turn so, turn on a quarter because it starts with the letter Q. Yeah, that's a very good point. <laughs> I like that. That's a that's a good updating of the expression. If you're talking about QAnon, it's turning on a quarter. <laughs> Um, yeah. he's like exactly. a Batman villain. Everything begins with the letter Q, you know, they, they have quiche, yeah. you know, and you know, it's, it's right. the whole thing, you know, they, they use Quicken software, you know, and everything has to be a Q, you know, to, <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I, I'm sure this occurred to you and I know that we, we, we talk a lot about Star Trek. I was really infuriated when I began to find out about Q because it seemed to me to be, uh, dissing the Q in uh, the next generation. Who uh, well, I, you know, was not exactly a hero, but a very interesting character. I um, am grateful that the Star Trek mythos, as as we maybe could call it, has not made the connection between QAnon and the Q continuum. Um, right. I think it would belittle uh, what you know the way Q is used on the show. Um, but I cannot <laughs> listen to. Anybody talk about Q without oh, thinking no. of, of John Delancey? <laughs> oh, no. Maybe, he, maybe he's so like, We discovered who Q is. Well, I've known who Q is since 1987. <laughs> what are you talking oh, about? Well, we know that's where they got the uh, the name. 
know? Yeah, it's 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 kind of I, I don't get it. You know, it's kind of I, I yeah. But when you're talking about turn on a dime, turn on a turn on a quarter, um, I feel like both of these uh, forces, you know, the force of Donald Trump and the force of QAnon. Um, are using each other. You know, QAnon yes. needs Trump to do what they want to do, just as the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys just want to have a violent overthrow of the government, and they're dying to do right. that. They're dying to go out there and bust heads. Right. And, and you know, Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani foaming at the mouth, you know, on a podium in front of, uh, you know, on a street in D.C., uh, you know, that's that that their dream come true, and it was an excuse for them to run down and do what they've been always wanting to do, which is, like, trash the government, you know? And... So I feel like you're right, you know, that that QAnon, Proud Boys, these groups, um, I'm sure the leaders can see beyond the lifespan of a Donald Trump, and they're seeing the big picture. Um, Trump can't be in charge forever. The man is, what, 74 years old? Um, uh, 73? Maybe a, tiny, a tiny bit older than yeah. that. I think he's like 75, 76. Yeah, so he, he is not going to be around forever. I mean, he's getting the best health care, the best doctors. He's just not in the best health himself. But I can't see him having a um, a um, um, a coherent um, you know, intellectual lifespan past the next 10, 10 or 15 years. So they have to be looking at the big picture because the members of these groups are – in their 20s and 30s and 40s you know there's there's a lot of young people in there so i'm seeing like they must have to see uh, a life uh in their movement beyond donald trump unless they're planning on it being like a monarchy and having uh you know ivanka or or um the rest of them was don jr the rest take over those the children don't inspire me um in terms of you know that they would be such great leaders. I don't see them taking his, their father's place. Uh, do you? I don't see it. It's hard to say. And I, I heard um, this goes back to the early days of the Trump administration. And I don't know whether it was one of the leaders of the Proud Boys or another neo-Nazi group. But just to show you how complicated this is, although this guy, and I really can't remember his name, was a strong supporter of Trump. It was an interview, and they said, and the interviewer asked, asked him, well, is there anything about Trump you don't like? And he said, well, there is really something that does bother me. And the interviewer said, well, could you share it with us? And he said, I, I cannot believe that Trump allowed his daughter to marry a Jewish person. Yeah. A beautiful girl like that, marrying a Jew. And so... You know, in, in this diseased mind, in this diseased Nazi mind, yeah, so there's some unhappiness. So with Trump, but that still didn't stop him and his group from supporting Trump. Look, I don't know, again, honestly, what's going to happen. I can only hope that if Trump loses in 2024, if before that the Trump supporting Republicans lose big uh, in less than two months from now, it's going to be increasingly harder for these no longer fringe groups, but again, fascist groups who are pushing into the mainstream through Trump and, and their support of Trump. But I think it's going to get harder 
and harder. And and I guess, uh, more than guess, I mean, I, I think that that's good news because that means that our future is still to a significant extent in our control as people who go to the ballot box. And obviously the Republicans are doing the best they can to make it more difficult for African-Americans to vote because they correctly think that African-Americans are more likely to vote Democratic. You know, all the nonsense that they're, you know, uh, putting out there, you know, these quote unquote reforms, which are really just ways of putting obstacles in the way of people that the Republicans think are more likely to vote Democratic. So the Republicans are trying very hard to stack the deck, but I think that they may not succeed. And if they don't succeed big time, you and I might well be having a discussion late November, early December of this year and both of us breathing a sigh of relief. We, we did step back in, in a significant way from this precipice. And, you know, don't ask me what I'll say if somehow the Republicans do really well in, in the 2022 election and wind up gaining control of the Senate and the House of Representatives. Then the only thing we'll be able to rely on is Biden to veto their legislation, but that's a very thin read. And the far more secure way of safeguarding our democracy is to get the Democrats more power in both houses of Congress. And not be so dependent on mansion and cinema as well. Yeah, exactly. Those those two uh, have been exploiting the situation for their own benefit, and it's kind of disgusting. I found it interesting that uh, since moving up here into Greene County and they redrew a lot of the uh, the districts here in New York, that I ended up voting in one of those bellwether uh, special elections that shows uh, the uh, the the fall elections moving towards uh, the Democrats side, and uh, we we uh, put in. Uh, uh, Tim Ryan to replace Anthony Delgado, who was a uh, you know who was uh, put in as the um, um, lieutenant governor here in New York State. So um, I got to vote in that election, and that was made national news uh, that this area up here, um, because they were voting, they were voting basically for for women's rights. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, I no there and there are little signs. Sarah Palin lost that special <laughs> election. So. You know, another I mean, nutcase lost. She, but she, she resigned from from being governor. I know. <laughs> so, no. Yeah, she, she wanted more time to be able to see Russia from outside. Yeah. Of How could you vote again for for a quitter? I I, I didn't get that. It was, it was uh, yeah, that was something. That was something else that she's back. Yeah, that was kind of unbelievable. Um, yeah, look. I, ahead, most of the races are pretty close, and I I, I do think there's a very very good chance. Uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, it's an interesting point, you know, the governors are very important and I don't want to take away from that because they can do a lot of damage, but I do think the Democrats need to be focused like lasers on every congressional race, on every Senate race. I think they are and have been, and they really, really have to pull out all the stops. I mean, I will say this. 
you know, we're now talking here in 2022 uh, with the comfort, and I think that's, you know, the, the correct word, of Joe Biden is president. And I remember, you know, you and I were talking before the election of 2020, and we were saying, basically, God help us yeah. if... Somehow Trump wins. What are we going to do? We'll move. You, you moved to upstate New York. You'd move to Canada. Yes. Uh, you know, Tina and I would join you. You know, so, but one, you know, and, you know, Biden might not have been the best candidate. I, you know, I know you supported Bernie, but, you know, look, he's done a pretty good job. He did manage to finally pass that bill. He somehow, you know, got Manchin to support it. Could have been a better bill, but still a lot better than nothing. And, I think maybe that is grounds for optimism in the election that's coming up in, in less than two months, because when people went to the polls in 2020, despite Trump and QAnon and all that insanity, Trump was voted out of office. Yeah. And, you know, that's a major, major thing, to say the least. Yeah. And, you know, we we didn't spend a lot. We spent a lot of time complaining about Republicans. Um the one thing I, I I I love about being a liberal and a Democrat is that I can criticize my elected leaders. My elected leaders don't require um, you know unflinching loyalty that I must obey every single thing that comes out of their mouths. If Biden does something I don't like, I can talk about it, you know, That's and true. I won't be I won't be sent out to the cornfield. Yeah, and and it seems yeah. like. Like these, these uh, well, Trump, mostly Trump, um, could not take any criticism whatsoever. But there's been plenty of things that Biden has done that I've disagreed with. And he was not my first choice, but he is elected. And you know what? When he was elected, Trump was my president, too. He's the pre he was the president of the country. I was very disappointed. I was very upset. When Bush uh, stood uh, on the pile on September, you know, after September 11th, I said to myself, he is the president I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, you know, and I'm going to support him. And yeah, he disappointed me. <laughs> well, so I got to say, I'm not as tolerant as you, because when Bush stood on that pile on September 11th, I did feel he was our president and all civilized people needed to rally around him. But there was never a moment when I felt that Trump was my president. I was embarrassed by him. I was horrified by him. And if only because, as we said before, the Electoral College, it's not going to be done away with in our lifetime. But he was he was an illegitimate president, if only because he lost the popular vote. He did win the electoral vote. So legally, he was elected president. But in terms of democracy, he, he was not uh, who the people elected yeah you know, yeah I, I i hated him every minute <laughs> so there was a moment there paul when when trump was sitting with with obama you know in the white house and they were doing the transition and i was just watching his body language and and i was just thinking to myself is it sinking in is 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 the importance of this office is you know the responsibility is it sinking in and i was really had my fingers crossed and then, uh, and then no, <laughs> no. And then the second time that that appeared to me, and this also was a fleeting moment. So you know, was when 
the uh, the COVID really hit, and I thought, well, this this is Trump's nine eleven. This is a chance for him to really protect the nation and make things happen. And of course, it fell apart really, really quickly. And he started bringing in the kooks, and there was no personal protective equipment. And then even and then I I think back with great resentment and anger that his final days as you know and the, you get this impression from watching the January 6 hearings his final days in office weren't spent trying to get the newly uh you know uh, made vaccine out to the people of the nation those days were spent with him trying to create some sort of insane plan to stay president <laughs> yeah and that was seemed like it was taking up 100% of his time. That's all he cared about was, was yeah. that. Well, he didn't care that people were dying from COVID. He didn't care, you know, about anything. That's that's all that mattered. And and when he left office, I, you know, I could be wrong. You can correct me if I'm wrong. There wasn't even a plan to distribute the vaccine at that point. There was a vaccine, but there was no distribution points. And that, I think, occurred after uh, Biden took office. Well, in all fairness... I think uh, Tina and I got our first vaccinations in January 2021. So I I think we do have to give Trump's administration at least credit for that. Okay. The very first round of vaccines. Begrudgingly so, we're going to give that to him. Yeah. But, but I mean, I will say, you know, the, the point about Trump and, you know, I, I, I know what you're talking about. Uh, it was more of a hope than any kind of logical uh, thought. But yeah, I was hoping maybe, maybe this venal, vicious man, because that was clear before he even got involved in politics, maybe, maybe the immensity, the enormity of yes. the office the Electoral yes. College had put him in, maybe he would somehow rise a little bit up to the occasion. But what convince me i know the very moment and we may have talked about this in some earlier shows it, it was it was in it was also in january 2021 uh, a little earlier than when tina and i got our first covid shots trump was the president elect and he was holding a press conference in trump tower and then at the end of the press conference the floor was open to questions and a reporter raised his hand and Trump looked at the reporter, pointed at the reporter and said, you're Jim Acosta. You work for CNN News. You, CNN is fake news. You're fake news. You're fake news. I'm not going to call on you. And it was at that moment, you know, we don't hear that much about fake news anymore, but I knew having, unfortunately, because it was, uh, something not pleasant to read but fortunately because i was aware of this this is exactly what the nazis did mm -hmm. they refer to the press as der lugenpresse which means the lying press and what they were trying to do is convince the german people and they did to some extent that don't believe any criticism you read in the newspapers about uh, the nazis we're doing good things. They're just lying about that. Mm -hmm. And that's what Trump was doing when he lashed out at CNN and Jim Acosta's fake news. And by the way, I think the current uh, guy who's running CNN, his name is Chris Licht or Licht. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. You, you can look it up. Um, anybody who's listening, he is trying to bring CNN back to the middle of the road 
And what that means is firing people like Jim Acosta, uh, you know, moving Don Lemon from prime time to, you know, some morning show. Uh, and so ironically, you know, more than four years after Trump denounced CNN as fake news, there's someone there in charge now who's acting as if a part of CNN was fake news. So that influence is still uh, there. It's it's astonishing. And yeah, I, you know, I think we could spend an entire show talking about um, should news be delivered, produced and delivered the way it is, because reporting on the news printing the news is a profit making enterprise now and it used to be just something that networks used to do they were they had the the license to use the public airwaves the airwaves belongs to the people of the united states they don't belong to cbs they don't belong to nbc they belong to us they lease them from us and it was their responsibility to put on a news broadcast as part of their agreement to have them now the news is turned into a profit-making machine, and it goes where the money is. And negative stories, negative things, as as Facebook algorithms prove, make more money. <laughs> yeah, and look, CNN is in last place, uh, you know, in terms of the uh, three-way race for ratings of Fox, CNN, and MSNBC. And I guess the new management thinks the way that CNN can reclaim some of its viewers is to is to go middle of the road but you know this reminds me of uh something you and i probably talked about before i always admired edward r murrow's view that some stories don't have two sides there are not two sides to every story that some stories and he actually cited the nazi regime you also cited joseph mccarthy in the 1950s and he did a, a stinging uh, rebuke of McCarthy but before finally he was taken down McCarthy himself by the Senate. Um, and um, several uh, of his colleagues in the, in, at CBS and the broadcast world back then said, well, uh, you know, how come you're not giving the other side of the story? And Morrow said, well, there is no other side to the story. Joseph McCarthy is a fascist, and he needs to be condemned as such. He, he's a danger. And I think CNN is just digging a bigger hole for itself. But yes, if what the current management is doing is a desperate attempt to get more ratings, they're going to wind up even losing more yeah. than they were losing at the beginning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um you know, we only have about 17 minutes left, or maybe even less, because we're gonna we're gonna end it with some music. Um, but um, let's talk about Biden a little bit. Um, you know, I was disappointed, uh, and I'm still disappointed in what's happening in Afghanistan under the Biden administration. I don't blame the situation. You know, that was that was a poison pill that was left for the Biden administration to swallow. But since then, um, I, I'm just kind of disappointed, especially if you relate it to uh, how we're treating uh, Ukrainian refugees. Uh, but the Biden administration has had, you know, among the things, just to show you that I, that I can disagree with the president I voted for, uh, <laughs> you know, cause, cause you can do that, that, you know, I, I'm, I had, I did not melt. <laughs> You know, I did not burst into flames when I said that. Uh, so, yes, I, I, I can criticize uh, my president. 
Um, but there's been plenty that Biden has done uh, that has been kind of helpful for the country. Do you want to spend a couple of minutes uh, before before we have to close uh, talking about a few positive things that have come out of of President Biden? Yes, and uh, I, I'm actually by and large happy uh, with what most of what Biden has done. I'll just say briefly, I'd like to see him give even more aid to Ukraine. The last I heard is we're giving Ukraine enough aid to force Russia to come to the peace table. I don't think Putin is going to come to the peace table. I think Russia has to be beaten. And I think towards that end, I would be in favor of giving Ukraine more aid, what it's asking for. But Aside from that and a couple of other things, I mentioned this before, I think what is being referred to as the Inflation Reduction Act is extraordinarily the right thing to do as far as the climate is concerned. We haven't talked at all about that. While all this is going on, the climate is just getting worse, and we need to do things to either reverse that trend or build up ways of dealing with it. And finally, after all these years, and this is not Biden's fault, of basically hemming and hawing and doing a little of this and doing a little of that. And by the way, even John McCain, I remember in the 2008 campaign, said, look, he, he would do something to combat climate change because he doesn't know whether the scientists are right or wrong. But the logic, McCain said, was let's assume they're right because if, if they are right, we need to do things to lessen the severity of what this climate change is doing. So I give Biden enormous credit for that. I think Biden basically has spoken out and used his pulpit uh, in the White House pretty much on the right side of all the important issues. He's spoken out against the Supreme Court removal of Roe v. Wade. He's spoken out in favor of more gun control. There has been, a, you know, I, again, we can talk about that for hours. Much, much more has to be done to control guns uh, th than has been done. But Biden deserves credit for getting at least something done. And when we talk about Biden's accomplishments, it's important to keep in mind that the Democrats have the majority in the House of Representatives. They have the slimmest majority possible. It's 50-50 in the Senate. The Democratic Vice President Harris, she obviously can break the tie, but that means that anyone, you know, who doesn't, any Democrat who doesn't want something like that to happen, i.e., Manchin and Cinema. Uh, can stop something because the Republicans pretty much always vote against all of these absolutely crucial things. So I think Biden deserves an enormous amount of credit for getting Manchin and Cinema aboard uh, that act. Uh, I, you know, the, by the way, there are many things in the act that's going to improve transportation. Part of controlling the environment is getting away from fossil fuel. That in turn is helped by electric travel, whether it's in automobiles or trains. Biden has long been a champion of train travel. 
I don't know about you. I love traveling trains. I mean, I enjoy driving, but there's nothing like taking a train somewhere. It's really relaxing. Uh, from my perspective, I can do some writing while the train is moving. I can't really do that too well if I'm driving. So Biden has 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 uh, helped out there as well. And I think, you know, as far as COVID is concerned, there again, I would fault him a little bit because the the CDC and the federal messaging in general about COVID, I think, has been unnecessarily unclear. And yeah, I very, very much agree there. Yes, it has been all over the place. That's right. So, I mean, he's done the right things and he says the right things, but that needs to be sharpened. And look, I don't know how anybody could be an effective president in in this uh, environment that, that we're now living in and all the things we've been talking about. But I think that Biden has by and large done a really good job and uh, he'll have my complete support. Uh, I, I'm sure he will run again if his health permits in 2024. And I think he surprised a, a lot of people. Uh, I, uh, I I just want to say something else about Biden. I mean, among the good things that he's done, um, you know, appointing a a, a a publicly avowedly gay man, uh, Buddha judge to uh, is a Buddha judge or Buddha check? I can never get. I think, I think the second one. Yeah, Buddha Buddha check. Buddha check. Okay. Um, to you know, Secretary of transportation that was a courageous thing to do so i think he's tried i mean even uh, you know in inviting uh harris to you know a, a, you know an african-american woman who actually you know comes from the caribbean her, her uh, ancestors uh, to run with him as vice president that was a very good thing to do so there's a long list of positive accomplishments that biden has done and i think that he and the Democrats need to bring that point, those points home to the American people. You know, one last point I'll make here, you know, one of the problems that the Democrats are finally beginning to get under control is this problem of inflation. But that wasn't really Biden's fault. It's a combination of coming out of the COVID economy. It's a combination of the sanctions against Russia have put on us and our allies because of their invasion. But even with those obstacles, Biden has done a pretty good job. You know, uh, I uh, paid under $4 filling up my car with gas a couple of days ago. You know, just a few months ago, I was paying close to $5. So, you know, he, he's gotten it down to some extent, to the extent that the president can do that. And I think he deserves credit for that. And let's not forget uh, something that really important to the future of this country, um, the student loan relief, uh, which, yes. which I think is, you know, and I've worked, I'm sure you've worked with with, uh, with kids also who are buried under these loans. And these are not like mortgages. I mean, we're running, we're running out of time. We could have spent the whole show talking about this. But to be to be just wage slaves, you know, or you know, just 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 in prison in this debt prison, uh, was was just a terrible thing for these these kids that I work with. You know, back when I was working, um, it didn't take that much for me to pay off my student loans. I paid them off, um, but to hear that you pay 
150, $170,000 to pay off a $50,000 tuition bill doesn't seem right to me. I understand paying some interest on something, but to pay three times as much the original cost of the degree, that doesn't seem right, Paul. I agree completely. It was a usury of the worst kind. And again, I wish Biden had done a little more, but this was an important uh, first step towards correcting a, a wrong that, by the way, again, the Republicans weren't in favor of that. Biden was able to do that by executive order, but but they, what was the Republican response? Oh, you, you have money for the kids who attend Yale and Harvard, you know, but uh, not for the poor people in our states. As if those Republicans give a damn yeah. about the poor people in their states. Exactly, exactly. Um, this is the fastest two hours in radio, my friend. <laughs> thank you so much uh let's give out your information one last time um where can people find you on the world wide web and when can we look forward to your exciting netflix hulu amazon prime disney plus uh story of your alternate history uh with pete fornatel <laughs> well it's called it's real life you can read the short story right now for free on a site called Vocal, V-O-C-A-L. So just do a search on Paul Levinson, quote, it's real life, unquote, and you'll find that story. As to when the limited TV series will be on Netflix or Amazon Prime or Paramount Plus, I'll be happy if it's anywhere. That's probably at least a year or two or three off. But, but. I'll make an announcement, and I'm sure you'll invite me on your show. Uh, you better be on my show. <laughs> yeah, as soon as uh, you know, that becomes definite. And by the way, uh, if you're allergic to Twitter, I'm also on Facebook under my name, Paul Levinson. I'm on LinkedIn. Same thing. My name, Paul Levinson. <laughs> Again, my blog, Paul Levinson's Infinite Regress. You can find my music on Spotify. Apple Music, uh, all the various sites where we listen to music these days. And you're also going to find Paul Levinson on Friday Night Freeform on September 30th, Friday, September 30th, while Paul and I and my friend Colleen from Denver, Mary Beth Rakowski, and Michael Rizzo discuss Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 1. So you don't want to miss that. That's going to be a good time. That is going to be a good time. you got to get that Star Trek stuff in there, right, Paul? <laughs> oh, man. I, they've done a really good job with those shows. I loved uh, the first season of Strange New Worlds. Yeah. It's fabulous. Yeah. I also really. love the Orville, by the way. Yes, yes, yes. Orville is... Well, I haven't finished it yet. I haven't finished the new season okay. yet, but it's been... But you yeah, love it. I've Great seen season. most of it. And... Uh, yeah. And, and don't forget what we do in the shadows. <laughs> that show is so ridiculous. I love it. Um, Paul, thank you again so much. I will uh, I will talk to you soon. And the timing of this show and the timing of this Zoom call is perfectly in sync. <laughs> so I'm going to say goodbye. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Take care, Paul. I'll talk to you soon. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Hiding behind a ranger. Shyly opening her sweet milk chocolate eyes Sleepily peeking out from dreams nine times her size Welcome up Stories below And that is Paul Evanson, Welcome Up. 
We're about uh, just under two minutes away from going to the sports section. Matt Mankiewicz, if you are in CR1, um, as soon as uh, 10 o'clock rolls around, you can fade me out. But uh, great job today, uh, Matt, over at the uh, live concert. And uh, I'll see you guys on the other side. And don't forget, Andy Haslam and Aaron Cliff, Captain Phil's Planet on Thursday. enjoyed that interview that Captain Phil did with me a few days ago about all of those very, very important things. And I hope you enjoyed that little listen to Welcome Up. That's the title of the song from the album entitled Welcome Up Songs of Space and Time that Old Bear Records and Light in the Attic Records released in 2020. And as Captain Phil mentioned, we will be talking again, Captain Phil and I and a few other guests, about Star Trek Strange New Worlds this coming Friday. And I will be posting that interview as well a few days later on Light On, Light Through. Also, Coming up will be a review from me of the second episode of Quantum Leap, which is back on NBC broadcast television here in the United States. So lots of exciting things coming up. In the meantime, stay safe, 
stay sound, and continue doing whatever you can to help those brave people of Ukraine fight off Vladimir Putin's fascist hordes who have invaded the country of Ukraine. The Light on Light Through podcast. Athens, 2042 AD. She ripped the paper in half, then ripped the halves, then ripped what was left again into bits and pieces of history that could have been. Sierra Waters had read once that, years ago, it was thought that men made love for the thrill, while women made love for the sense of connection it gave them. Curled up with a good book says, Sierra Waters is sexy as hell. You can find out more about The Plot to Save Socrates by Paul Levinson at theplottosavesocrates.com. Paul Levinson still codes about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. 